Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Scott Foster here with you as we preview what we'll be doing over the next couple hours and uh, talking about lots of stuff. We've got a jam-packed couple hours for you here, which I think we can pretty much always say. We've got Susan Littlefield in with us. Uh, Susan, what do you got going on today? Well, we're going to talk about a couple things. Of course, it's a Wednesday, so we're going to get a BASF agronomist update to find out what's happening with the crops all across Nebraska. Then beef, it's what's for dinner? Well, that is unless you live in New York City. If you haven't heard the scuttlebutt as of late, the New York City mayor would like to see a 50% reduction in beef purchases coming through his offices. That means for schools, hospitals, jails, and even those meat vendors on the corner selling the hot dogs. Mm. So we're going to get more at uh, 1245 from the Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson and then Governor Pete Ricketts. Then at 117, we will continue the conversation as I just got off the phone with Phil Trowbridge. He is president of the New York Beef Producers Association, where agriculture is the largest income in the state of New York next to the Wall Street. So we'll find out how this is all impacting them as well. Okay, well, that's interesting. All kinds of stuff going on there. I I heard a baby kitty just a few moments ago. You did. Uh, we we have they moved into my grill, so we can't use the grill because they were sleeping next to the propane tank. Well, no, don't. They, I would say definitely don't do that. Okay, exactly. <laughs> well, keep it. Stay. I hope everyone stays safe at the Littlefield household. Then. Yeah, they're okay. being moved to the barn. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. All right, we'll turn it over. Brandon Bennett's in here for Jason today, and uh, a little wet at the College World Series last time. It is a little wet at the College World Series, and there's a lot of baseball to talk about, not just the College World Series, but also, have you seen the video of Max Scherzer taking one off the nose? Yeah, bloody nose and all. He was attempting to bunt, and I haven't tried to bunt in years. I certainly haven't won three Cy Young Awards like he has. But when you take one off the nose and it hits the right side of your nose and not just bloodies your nose but breaks your nose and then bruises your occipital bone, which is what holds your eye in your socket, it's it's a nasty look. And it's one of those things you got to watch it a couple times, but after a while you're like, yeah, that's really morbid. Well, you so, know, Max Scherzer is... Uh, yeah. He's out for a little while then, yeah. Well, they're running tests now. He's supposed to pitch later today in a doubleheader. Okay. We'll see about that. So when you bunt, usually the concern is for the fingers because uh, right. the players wrap their hands around there, not usually the it, eye right. and the nose. Right. He didn't square up. The pitch was a little high, but instead of backing off of it, he tried to hit it with the bat at about a 45-degree angle. It didn't work at all very well. A teachable moment That's for, exactly for right. hitters all over the young, place. Young little leaguers out there everywhere, don't do what Max just did. <laughs> well, good. Thanks, Max, for giving us that moment. Right. All right. Much more coming up on sports as we go along in midday. And uh, we're also joined by Bob Brogan, who is sitting here working on the financials. What's going on today? Stocks are a little bit mixed in midday trading on Wall Street ahead of a highly anticipated Federal Reserve statement on interest rates. And I don't know whether the room that they meet in is kind of like uh, where the Wizard of Oz is, you know, and there's he sits way up in the air or something, <laughs> and there's smoke. But anyway... Um, I'll leave you leave you with that scenario. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right. General Motors is trying to avoid recalling potentially deadly Takata airbag inflators in thousands of full-size pickups and SUVs for the fourth straight year. And also, uh, Pinpoint Holdings of Cambridge announced it's reached an agreement to sell a communications company. We'll have more on that. 
Boy, those Takata recalls just keep coming. And it's all coming up on Midday. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Joined by Paul Perkins. And Paul, I just saw a graphic from the Weather Channel that uh, January through May has been record-setting wet for this area. It's not getting a whole lot better right now. No, but things are looking up here. It looks like late next week it's going to turn warmer and drier. So usually that's kind of a panic button issue this time of year. Right. Oh, here comes the dry conditions. We're going to have to start irrigating a lot more. But it uh, looks like a, a welcome warmer and drier period will start to arrive by late next week through the first part of July, at least through the first few days of July in the long-term forecast. Well, I, you know, one of the things that I've noticed this year is that the change in seasons brought abu- abrupt changes. Remember yeah. the first day of winter, it got yeah. it snowed and it was really cold. <laughs> the first day of spring was around the time of the floods, so so we'll see. Yeah. Now, is Friday is the first day of summer, but right. it's actually going to be our coolest days <laughs> over the next seven days after the first day of summer on Friday. So, yeah. So much so, for that theory. That theory is out the window. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes it is weird out all of a sudden first day of winter it gets cold Mm -hmm. and first day of summer it's hot (laughs) but anyway anyway right now we still have a little bit of light rain left over in central portions of nebraska and north central kansas some of that light rain north and south of broken bow also towards loop city and ravana and also from about the campbell and franklin area down towards about smith center all of those light rains moving out towards the east maybe a little more activity trying to get going over southwest nebraska towards the hayes center area we do have the cloud cover still rather thick over much of the region today, especially in central and eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas. That cloud cover, though, a little less thick along and west of the line from Valentine to North Platte, McCook, and Hoxie, Kansas. Some sunny skies as you head towards the Panhandle and northeast Colorado. Mainly a quiet day weather-wise in between systems. Some sunshine to partly cloudy skies eventually taking hold. It will be slightly cooler than normal right now. We have temperatures generally in the 60s, some upper 60s to low 70s as you head towards eastern Nebraska. Could see some more scattered thunderstorms develop during the afternoon and evening during the peak heating of the day. Also the chance for additional thunderstorms with the remnants of some late-day thunderstorms over the high plains that could make it as far east as Highway 183. Also some thunderstorms possible in the northern areas of Nebraska along and north of Highway 92 with the approach of a front. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and dry. Near seasonal temperatures, a better chance of thunderstorms arrives by late tomorrow night into Friday morning with the cold front that drops to the south. Some of those storms could be severe, especially in central Nebraska where the Storm Prediction Center is already placing a slight risk of severe weather. Often on thunderstorms possible for Friday through early next week as multiple disturbances right up from the southwest. Temperatures mainly cooler than normal. The coolest days over the weekend. Seasonal temperatures, though, start up by Tuesday. In the long-term forecast, our Nebraska and Kansas temperatures begin seasonal to slightly cooler than normal the early half of next week. Warmer than normal. Some warmer air, though, will then build from the east and lead to warmer than normal temperatures late next week through the first two days of July for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Slightly above normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas early next week, but a building ridge over the central U.S. will then lead to below normal rainfall late next week through the 2nd of July. Key weather factors affecting the markets include a wet 7-day forecast followed by a possible pattern change in the 10-day forecast for the Midwest and an improving rain pattern from the Canadian prairies. The next few days, disturbances will be moving east along the front and maintain rainy weather across much of the central and eastern U.S. Five-day rainfall totals could lead to 
about one to three inch totals across much of the plains, Midwest and Northeast. Some of the heaviest rain could fall in the already soggy areas of the South and East Corn Belt. For the Northern Plains and Midwest, the cool and wet weather will continue to delay corn and soybean planting. Another concern in the Midwest are near to below normal temperatures, slowing growing degree day accumulations for corn. But once again, that could be changing if the latest long-term outlook verifies it could be warmer and drier six to ten days from now. In the Southern Plains, near to above normal rainfall, expected to increase disease issues and lower crop quality for the maturing wheat. So far, though, the crop readings have shown little decline for the Canadian prairies, increasing rain coverage, helping to improve the crop conditions near to below, to mostly below normal temperatures, though, are slowing the crop development right now. All right. So sort of a, a wait-and-see approach right now. It appears there may be some light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly, because uh, definitely the crops need to get going. Don't know if we're going to meet that knee high by the fourth. I don't know. Uh, it's going. It's there's a lot of short corn out there right now, but the heat next week with this moisture that we're getting should be a big boon. All right, very good. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Where do you go to check in on your weather, Paul? KRVN.com. <laughs> June is Dairy Month, and we know the importance of the dairy industry to the state of Nebraska. Be listening during the 3 o'clock hour for reports starting June 17th talking about dairy and Nebraska. Thanks to Wood River Dairy for their sponsorship. It's time again this week that we check in with our BASF technical service representative, and we visit this week with Brady Kapler. And Brady, unfortunately, after a pretty darn nice and productive week last week since we checked in, um, rain coming back into the forecast. Just give us an update on what you're visiting with producers about and seeing out there in the field. Sure. Yeah. We hate to see. You know, we hate to say we hate to see rain, but at the same time, um, we've had our share this year, and so we want to. Uh, kind of hopefully we continue to get field work done whenever it's possible, but it looks like it's going to be a tougher week than, than it was last year. Last week we got some more stuff done. So things are, things are progressing. Obviously heat is continuing to drive some of this. Um, we're obviously seeing soybeans move into further development, um, get further along. And then the corn, um, heat is helping it and, uh, we're seeing some pretty quick growth, uh, developing there. And so as, as things have gotten warmer, um, maybe not the warm weather we're entirely used to, but it is still warm enough to keep things growing, and we're seeing it uh, move along uh, fairly quickly and uh, keep going that way. Now, we did touch on this a little bit last week, but going into more detail, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about, those um, post-herbicide applications uh, when we talk about soybeans. Sure. And soybeans, I mean, we want to make sure, and, and I've, I feel like I've probably beaten this horse a lot, but I want to make sure we stress the point, and that is um, that if, you know, if we didn't have a pre-down, we don't have a residual herbicide with that, we've got to get out there and obviously control weeds that are coming and then start laying residuals because, um, you know, this is a long season, and even though it doesn't seem like things have moved very fast, there's still, you know, a couple, three months of growing season left here that we're going to have a lot of development in, so we want to try to keep the weeds down to a minimum so that crop can grow as stress-free as possible. So, um, you know, we've got to be diligent in that. And um, with that, you know, comes good control applications. So we want to make good decisions. You know, we have uh, Liberty soybeans out there, and we want to try to be getting those weeds before they get too large in size with good coverage and those type of things. And then we have our um, extended dicamba-tolerant soybeans, and so we want to be utilizing Ingenia on that. The watch out there is is that we're probably starting to come up against some 45-day after planting windows, which has been a new rule that's been um, added to the label this year. And so 
growers only have 45 days after planting in order to apply their um, Ingenia products um, with that. So we got to be cautious because I'm sure we're starting to run up against that. We go back 45 days here and we're uh, into, uh, you know, early mid-May type of thing. So something that they want to be aware of and, and definitely diligent. But we, anytime we can control weeds when they're small and actively growing is always the best process, no matter what herbicide we're using. And then as far as corn is concerned, what's the advice that you're giving producers right now? Yeah, you know, as we talked, the corn really starting to take off. We're starting to get to the limits of some of our herbicides. And so we want to be cautious with what we're doing there, too. Um, sometimes I know we've got some uh, tough situations where we've got some really weeds. And, and sometimes you have to decide, um, is it worth the risk in order to control it if you're in there way too late? You know, a lot of herbicides start to come off at V6, and then almost all herbicides come off at V8. And I actually wrote an article this week that was entitled, Nothing Good Happens After V8 When It Comes to Corn Herbicides. And so we want to, you know, sometimes there can be the anxious to try to do some emergency things, but it's usually going to be more detrimental to that. So if we can get in there and before this corn gets to those stages, before V6 if possible, but definitely before V8 with several herbicides, we want to be in those earlier growth stages when we're controlling it, not spraying that concentration of herbicide in the world in that late stage corn. Brady Kapler, your BASF Technical Service Representative, checking in with this week's update. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. All right, let's take a look at sports. Here's Brandon. Hey, thanks, Scott. The Nationals say that Max Serzer's status and the Nats' pitching plans for today's doubleheader against Philadelphia still to be determined. Scherzer has a broken nose after fouling a ball off his face during batting practice yesterday. Scherzer was attempting to bunt when he redirected a pitch off the right side of his face and broke his nose. The three-time Cy Young Award winner was scheduled to start one of the two games of the day-night doubleheader later today. The Kansas City Royals rode Whit Merrifield's two home runs and career-high six RBIs in a 9-0 thumping of the Mariners. Homer Bailey allowed just one runner past second base and fanned six over seven and two-thirds Jorge Soler also homered, and rookie Nicky Lopez had three hits for Kansas City. KC has now won three straight games for the first time this season. Tonight, Royals right-hander Brad Keller tries to stop a run of seven losses in his last eight appearances, dating back to April 22nd when he faces the Mariners lefty Marco Gonzalez. Gonzalez, on the other hand, is looking for his third straight win since stopping a six-game losing streak earlier in the month. The Nebraska women's basketball team will play a marquee opponent on its home court at Pinnacle Bank Arena when the Big Red battle the Duke Blue Devils in the Big Ten ACC Challenge in December. The clash between the Huskers and the Blue Devils occurs on Wednesday, December 4th and marks the first announcement of a game in Nebraska's upcoming 2019-2020 season schedule. It'll also be the third overall meeting between Nebraska and Duke in history, with the most recent coming as part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge back on December 3rd, 2014, also at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And the Denver Broncos are planning several ways to honor team owner Pat Bolin, who died last week at 75 after a long battle with Alzheimer's and just two months shy of his enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. However, renaming their stadium in his honor isn't one of those. The team has lacked a naming rights partner for several years in an online effort pushed by Broncos broadcast partner Orange and Blue 760, called for fans to sign a petition asking the team to rename the stadium, quote, Pat Bolin Field at Mile High, end quote. General Manager John Elway says Bolin is one of a kind. The one thing that I think about Pat when I think about him and this football team was he ran this football team with his heart and not his pocketbook. The players felt that, and that's where, uh, when you talk about the relationships that he had with the players, uh, why was he so close to the players? Because I think Pat never allowed the money to get in the way of that. 
That's a check of sports. For more information, always go to our website, krvn.com. This is Brandon Bennett. 880 KRVN is the essential link to your world, nation, and neighborhood. The Kearney School Board decided that local and regional news updates every half hour. I'm Dave Schroeder. Fox News on the hour and breaking coverage as it happens with Bob Rogan, Dave Schroeder, Scott Foster, and correspondents across Nebraska and Kansas. Good afternoon, I'm Scott Foster. Motorists are reminded... 880 KRVN. For news, depend on us. Well, time for us to take a look at news. Dave Schroeder joins us here in uh, the studio, and uh, lots of stuff going on, but uh, you kind of start up in Brown County. One of my favorite places to go, Long Pine. Oh, yes. Is, I don't know if you've ever been up there. It's a beautiful place. I've always wanted to go yeah. there. I need to do that sometime. Yeah. It really is very pretty, but uh, this story, n- not not quite as pretty. Yes, there's been some movement and uh, some activity up there. A 26-year-old man has been charged with second-degree murder in Brown County. Uh, one count of terroristic threats were filed against Nathan Yankowski. His attorney, Chivas Shaw, says that Yankowski would plead not guilty. Sheriff's deputies were called on May 22nd to Yankowski's rural Long Pine home, and uh, they found the body of 18-year-old Logan Maring, who lived in Myrna. A court document says Yankowski gave a couple of accounts about how Maring had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber revolver before finally acknowledging that he'd been fooling around with the gun and had pointed it at Maring. Yankowski told a deputy that his thumb slipped off the hammer of the cocked weapon and it went off. A woman has been charged with negligent abuse for the death of her six-month-old daughter in Omaha. Court records say 21-year-old Carmelita Price is scheduled for a preliminary hearing on July 26th. A document says Price told investigators that she had fallen into a drunken sleep Monday with her daughter on an air mattress. The document says another family member found the baby had rolled off the mattress and was dead, a plastic bag of clothes atop her. A prosecutor says it appears that the baby suffocated. State Treasurer John Moranti is promoting a new package of three bills that he hopes will get more people to invest in a child's college savings account. Moranti says if you haven't opened a 529 account, it's easy to do so. Go to www.nest529.com. You can open up a direct plan right on uh, our website, and, uh, and, the, and it's no cost to you. There's no minimum to start. No amount is too little. And as we always say, uh, it's never too early and it's never too late to start saving for a college education. It, and, and no amount is too small. So uh, you can open it up online, and, and we'll get an account started for you, and, and we'll go from there. Under one new measure passed by the 2019 legislature, every newborn will have a Nest account opened in their name and funds will be available to get it started. The others enacted by the legislature increase incentives for contributions to 529 plans by low-income Nebraskans and businesses that contribute for employees. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Well, thanks a lot, Dave. And, uh, you know, one of the things that coming out of what uh, Moranti talked about there. Recently, WalletHub had a survey of the most independent states in the union, mm-hmm. as far as states that uh, saved money and did need a lot of help from the federal government and stuff. Nebraska came in second, mm. 
And one of their highest ratings was the uh, amount of money saved for college, and that has a lot to do with that 1059, I imagine. Yes, I imagine so. And, and uh, you know, it was even recognized even under uh, Don Stenberg's Treasury Administration right. as well. And so uh, they really do a very good job of getting out, promoting it, and uh, offering it to people. And, and it's something that uh, people really need to take a look at, not just parents, but grandparents. Sure, absolutely. Another, so. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dave. We'll hear you more in a little bit. Beef. It's what's for dinner, unless you're in New York City. I'm Susan Littlefield, and good afternoon on the Pro Radio Network. What am I talking about? Well, if you haven't heard the scuttlebutt over the last couple of weeks, there is a push to see a 50% reduction in beef purchases coming out of the mayor's office. The New York City mayor, Bill de Blasio's plan is to slash that meat consumption, not only in schools, but in other city-controlled facilities, including prisons and hospitals as well. The Nebraska Farm Bureau sent a letter to the mayor's office slamming them for this decision calling it a strategic initiative aimed at reducing the city's contributions toward climate change ignores both climate and nutritional science. Here's Nebraska Farm Bureau's president, Steve Nelson. Well, obviously that, that is going to raise concerns for someone in Nebraska because beef production is so important in the state of Nebraska. And beef producers in the state have really been hit hard with the weather that we've had, the flooding, the, the blizzards that we've had, and so... You know, you pile on uh, things like this, it's just very frustrating. And so we really wanted to stand up on behalf of this, this leading industry here in the state of Nebraska, beef production, that's so important, not just for cattle producers, but for, for those that raise the feed, that, that feed the cattle. It's an important connection uh, within the ethanol industry. And, and we know, of course, that when the agriculture economy in the state of Nebraska does well, the rest of the state does well, and we're seeing right now the ramifications of of the agriculture uh, sector struggling, and of course that puts a lot of pressure on the state. So so we wanted to step up and say something about uh, this this announcement that's been made by the mayor of of New York, uh, not only to reduce beef purchases by 50% 50% at, at city-controlled facilities, but also including schools and prisons and hospitals, and and then even expanding beyond that to to uh, other food items, processed items. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly, this is uh, this is a pretty radical announcement, and that's why we wanted to say something, and that's why we've invited the mayor to come to Nebraska uh, in this letter and and uh, really learn the facts around beef production. And as news got out about the beef reduction request from the New York City mayor, we got this response from Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts. Not only is it not good news for us, but it's just utter foolishness when you think about it is not only anti-agriculture, but it's anti-science. And if you look at what we are doing here in the Midwest and in our country, we are reducing the carbon footprint uh, for producing beef. In fact, it's uh, 10 to 50 times less per pound of protein to produce it here in the United States than it is in places like Africa or Asia. So it really is against all the science, and it it is something that I know, for example, people in New York do like their beef. 
In a news release, Governor Ricketts said that Bill de Blasio's war on beef is anti-agriculture and anti-science. Nebraska's farmers and ranchers are the original conservationists, and they help raise the best beef in the world. He also urged the people of New York City to reject the senseless plan. I have not heard from New York City or the mayor, but one of the things that we did a couple of years ago is we actually led a trade delegation to New York City where we promoted Nebraska beef. And uh, we went to uh, a couple of restaurants. We went to um, a butcher shop. We talked to writers and reporters about how our you know, farmers and ranchers were the original conservationists because they were the ones who wanted to make sure they took care of the land and the animals to make sure that they could pass on to the next generation. And we found uh, a, you know, an audience that really didn't know a lot about what we were doing, but was really interested in what we were, had to say and was very impressed when we you know, took some of our producers with us. And it, it just strikes me that we need to continue to do that kind of outreach and that kind of education because obviously there's people like Bill de Blasio that really don't have a clue as to what agriculture is about, about what good nutrition is about. And uh, we've got to educate those folks so that they understand how important our beef industry is to the overall health of our country. Are you guys planning to, to do some further reaching out, maybe to increase that dialogue to better educate him? I know that Nebraska Farm Bureau has sent out messages. I can't even think what Nebraska or what New York beef producers are going through right now as they hear this news. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, New York has done a lot of crazy things lately. I think that... Um, <laughs> I think that uh, one of the things that we have to do is, again, reach out to consumers. I'm not sure there, there's going to be changing any Bill de Blasio's mind uh, when you do something this foolish. But I think that uh, what we have to do is just gonna make sure we educate consumers so that they understand how important it is to make sure you've got a healthy diet that includes beef. you got to have that protein in there and how we fit into this and how we are being good stewards of the land, how we are reducing those greenhouse gases. Anything else you'd like to add, Governor? Just said again, I, I think it's an opportunity for all of us uh, to make sure that we're talking to our friends and families. Um, you know, so many people, it used to be, you know, you had a very close connection to agriculture. But, you know, as our society has grown, people, that, that connection has gotten uh, more distant. And it's important for us to reach out to our, our friends and neighbors, especially those even living in places like Lincoln and Omaha, to talk to them about uh, what goes on in agriculture and, and what great stewards our, our producers are and how important this is for the economy of our state. Comments about New York City and beef. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at uh, the stock market, see what's going on in financials today. And uh, let's begin across the pond, if you will. Japan's Nikkei index in the overnight was up 36 Excuse me, 367. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was up, look at this, 721 points. The Hang Seng is all over the place much of the time, and it was way up. The London FTSE was down 39 points, and the uh, German DAX index was down 23. As we take a look at the markets here in the United States, the roller coaster continues here also. After a couple really nice days, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 13 points right now. NASDAQ is down 5, and the S&P is uh, down just a half of a point. And we have Bob Rogan in here today as uh, we get a little more information. Well, a big deal, kind of. Well, I guess it is a big deal. Uh, a lot of investors are awaiting the Federal Reserve statement on interest rates. The central bank isn't expected to cut rates today, but investors are looking for more direction on the 
central bank's plans. The uh, Fed will issue its decision actually within minutes of right now. General Motors is trying to avoid recalling potentially deadly Takata airbag inflators in thousands of full-size pickup trucks and SUVs for the fourth straight year, leaving owners to wonder if vehicles are safe to drive. The automaker petitioned the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to exempt it from recalls required under a 2015 agreement between Takata and the uh, government. So that... uh, that particular story just kind of has taken on a life of its own, and I don't know, I suppose eventually it'll go away. Uh, the American Airlines is buying 50 of Airbus's newest long-range planes in a big boost for the just-launched A32i XLR. Airbus and the world's largest airline announced the deal today at the Paris Air Show, upgrading a previous order for the plane. Kellogg is cutting 150 jobs as it parts with Keebler and famous Amos brands. It's uh, part of a previously announced sale of its cookie and fruit snack business. Pinpoint Holdings Incorporated, which of course uh, is uh, native to Nebraska, uh, Cambridge, Nebraska, has announced that it's reached an agreement to sell Zona Communications of Arizona to Wired Group of Colorado for an undisclosed sum. J. Richard Shoemaker, chairman of the board of Pinpoint, says the transaction continues a pattern where Pinpoint assumed control of a troubled asset and made it profitable. Shoemaker says Pinpoint bought Zona when it was in bankruptcy in early 2017, and Pinpoint doubled Zona's customer base in two years. Of course, uh, like I said, Pinpoint Holdings originally founded as, uh, is well, it's headquartered in Cambridge, Nebraska, was founded as Cambridge Telephone Company in Cambridge more than 100 years ago. So kind of a, a local uh, story that uh, that's kind of making some big news today. Local kid does well. So there you go. That's yes. nice, nice to hear. Certainly, uh, as we look at some of the gainers right now in the stock market, looks like Adobe is up four points, four percentage points. That is big loser right now. One of them, anyway, is O'Reilly Auto Parts. But as you said, Bob, everybody just kind of clinging to what the Fed does here in just a few minutes. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long, and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has a custom Dodge bulge hood and a spray-on bedliner. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through Nebraska Farm Bureau. Helping us bring the Ram to your town is Foz Garage, Arapaho and Bomb Motor Company, Cambridge, Eustis Body Shop, Eustis, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln, and Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the Ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. Time for us to take a look at our action time. It's 10.43. Want to see a reduction in beef purchases by 50%? For one New York cattleman, it's not about the business, more about the students. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Phil Trowbridge is president of the New York Beef Producers Association. I just felt, I felt as though he was 
not being fair to the to the children. You know, there's so many people in New York City that can use the extra nutrition, and for us or for him to take that away, it was just it was kind of bothersome. Um, and you know, yes, obviously we would like to uh, we would like to see him reinstate it, uh, but it's. You know, his policy is different than, on a lot of cases, than most anything that that we we see happening. Um, but as a, as a producer, um, like I say, I, I was disappointed from a business standpoint um, because we're talking about a large economic area. Um, but I was just more disappointed that... Uh, that we have a, a lot of young people going without something that is actually very sustainable that he doesn't know. Um, he just isn't educated enough to understand the sustainability in agriculture. There's been such a, such a discussion about uh, science versus emotion. And right. you, you kind of talk about the science side of it. What type of education? So what about the educational side? What are things that you guys are doing to reach out to the mayor's office? We've, we've reached out several times. Um, and, you know, I've sent them a couple of different letters. Um, I, I'm not sure that he really wants to be educated. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of like agriculture in general. I mean, most of his constituents um, are not aware of what agriculture does in New York. Um, And so I think from a political standpoint, um, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's a waste of time, but really our voting clout for the mayor of New York City is, is almost null and void. Jesse Herman is Director of Legal and Regulatory Affairs for the Nebraska Cattlemen. Yeah, you know, lately it seems the cattle industry has kind of been unfairly cast as the villain in this environmental blame game that's been kind of going around. Um, and we look at this and we think, you know, these accusations make for really good news stories and they grab headlines. But unfortunately, they ignore the proven facts. And that is, if you look at EPA's own numbers... Beef cattle production in the U.S. accounts for only 3.3% of all U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. So I'll repeat that. It's 3.3%. So when you look at the numbers, it is very, very low. Um, And if you compare that to other segments, you know, not to kind of put the blame on them, but the numbers sort of speak for themselves, those transportation and electricity sectors together produce 56%. So if you're going to play the blame game, we always wonder why are we being unfairly singled out when we're at 3.3%. It makes us wonder, you know, does somebody have a hidden agenda here? Uh, and they're sort of mi- mixing up the facts to try and advance that agenda. I don't know. We'll have more with Jesse tomorrow. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Louie Nelson on the World Radio Network. And with us is... John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. It uh, generally appeared to be a risk-off day in the commodities today, and I guess not totally unexpected. This is only the second day of corrections, and sometimes 
when you look at things, uh, sometimes it takes three days of corrections, doesn't it? Yeah, three days I, I typically will be what it'll be, and I would imagine we're probably down a little more. Really, this is more of a wheat trade and a feed grain trade. I think that's that's more the way I would categorize it here. We've seen KC uh, wheat lead a lower. Uh, corn is going to follow that, at least in the short term. And you know, as I've mentioned here before, the, the, the last two weeks before delivery tend to be weak, especially in a market like KC wheat where stocks to use are above 60%. So uh, we're, we're just so overpriced. Um, you know, Russian offers, which is essentially the lowest market out there, is, um, you know, they're coming in around $196 for a metric ton. Uh, U.S. hard red is up around 220 and uh, soft red up around 240 So you could actually import Rus- wheat from Russia and be cheaper than the U.S. has it with all the, the freight costs. So I think that's got to rectify itself here in the short term. Uh, the U.S. days could certainly, you know, reduce uh, some stocks that will offset it come the first of the month. But that my thought would be if you like corn, which I do, I think there's more upside here just given the, the uncertainty and the conditions. Um, I think that you want to probably be able to hang into this trade through the first of the month. And then once we get into July, really that's when the summer market will start because we haven't had any heat yet and it's going to start here in the next couple of weeks. So just be patient here if you're long and if you're short. I'd look to cover sometime here in the next week, week and a half. Before we get to July, we're going to have a pretty important report next Friday, aren't we? Yeah, that'll be the one I think you probably want to be out of your shorts if you've covered July. Um, as far as, uh, you know, being on the short side, I, that, that end of them, it's going to be huge. And I, I think the question is how accurate it is, you know, as far as the acreage goes and whether the trade believes it or not. Uh, I think we've all kind of discovered here online that the, the crop progress reports specifically the planning numbers that we've been getting every week, those percentages shouldn't be taken off of the, the planning, prospect planning numbers. So uh, if you're taking PP, you're considered completed, and that's why we've seen that number jump like it has. So again, I don't think that the market here cares much uh, in the short run about things. I think the long run trade should be supported, uh, and I look for, you know, you know, a good 450 level to hold. That, that was kind of the resistance level on the way up in the December, and I would imagine we break through that. Uh, you get a stop run through 450. I think that's your chance to jump long if you've been waiting. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. As corn finished eight and three quarters to nine and three quarters lower, soybeans down eleven and a, or ten and a quarter to eleven and a half. Kansas City wheat was seven and three quarters to nine and three quarters lower. And that'll do it for our midday today here on KRVN. Thank you so much for listening in. Remember that you can get the whole midday podcast in its entirety at podcasts at krvn.com. You can also catch it on Facebook and on Twitter and on our app or anywhere that you can you like to listen to your podcasts.